Have you ever had the uh, feeling or sentiment that would go something like this? Is nothing I do good enough? Maybe you say that to your children. Maybe you say that to your husband. You would never say that to your wife, but you might think it. (laughs) Or maybe a, a different relationship, you know, where it seems as though the expectations placed upon you are just, they, they never run out. You know, nothing I do is good enough. Um, we have this sort of situation in, certainly in the, the first reading and in the gospel. So here, uh, God has delivered his people from slavery. They were in slavery, like straight-up slavery. They were slaves, dying, you know, being killed off, their children being killed off. I just want to make it clear, they were slaves. This was bad. God delivers them. They're no longer in slavery. Miraculously, they're out of slavery. Off they go to the promised land. So what do they start doing as we read? They start complaining. They were just in slavery. I just want to make that clear. Now they're out of slavery. They're complaining that God isn't doing enough for them. They're complaining they don't have enough food. And so in the first reading, you know, we have the, the quail and the, and the manna from heaven, the bread from heaven. So now they have food. And it won't take too long until they start complaining again. And you wonder if God has ever said, is nothing I do ever good enough for my people? You know, how many times have I blessed my people? And we just look at the Exodus account. How many times have I blessed my people? And they don't deserve this. They don't deserve the liberation. But nonetheless, I've blessed them. I brought them out of slavery. And I'm I'm making them a free people once again, and it's not good enough. This is one of the things that that we do experience, of course, uh, just in our, our spiritual sort of life, which is we will go through times of slavery, coming out of slavery, and experiencing desolation. It's really, it's almost like God is playing a trick on us, that we have this awareness or we become aware of something that that has enslaved us, and then we work really, really hard to get rid of it with God's help. And then, curiously enough, we will often experience desolation after the fact. Just when we thought we would experience maybe more blessing or consolation, we often experience desolation. And then that leads us to asking God for more. Do more. Do more. This isn't what I wanted. You're no longer a slave. Yeah, but I thought it'd be better than this. Hmm. You get what you get. So don't, do you know how the saying goes? What is it? Throw a fit, pitch a fit. Thank you, Sheila. Have you had to say that to your kids? You have, okay. We can become very demanding on other people as well as God, of course. 
And uh, th there's, a, there's a great negativity in that, which is that, you know, we're training each other merely to please one another. We're teaching our children not to pursue the good for its own sake, but we're only teaching them to please us as, as their parents, or in my case, uncles, uncle, um, or as the kids say, frunkle, father, uncle, frunkle. Um, and there, there's, a, there's a danger in teaching people merely to please their parents, right? Or, or even friendships, merely to please one another in friendship, or your significant other, to merely please one another, because we're not pursuing the good. We're not pursuing virtue and excellence for its own sake. Okay, so complaining with the Jews. Now, it keeps going. We go to the, the gospel, the Gospel of John, chapter 6, known as the Bread of Life Discourse. And we're going to hear this play out over the next couple of weeks as well. And we heard last week the feeding of the multitude. So the Lord just fed thousands and thousands of people with very little. They had their fill. So they weren't just eating a little bit so that everybody could have some. I mean, there's no way that everybody could have had some. They ate their fill, and then there was some left over. They were completely sated. And so they follow him. They follow, where'd, where'd he go? This guy gives out free food. And that's what he calls them on. You know, he says, are you, are, are you following me because you saw a sign or because you just want more bread? You just want more food. And of course, that's what they're largely after. What he's trying to elicit in them is belief faith in him. And he says, you know, that's why you should be coming to me, is because you should have belief in me, you should have faith in me. And then they say, well, what can you do? You see the irony of that. He just fed the multitude. They were part of the multitude with very little food. They had their fill. They follow him because they know he did it. Pretty big sign. And now they're saying, well, what sign can you do? Is nothing I do good enough? You'd think the Lord might say. I just gave you this amazing sign. And then they say, well, you know, if, you're, if we should believe in you, if you're the Messiah, then you should be, you should be greater than Moses. Moses gave us bread from heaven. What can you do? I mean, you have to outdo him. So in other words, okay, so you gave us bread back there. Well, Moses did that too. Moses did the same thing. If we should believe in you, you, you should be better than Moses. You should be greater than Moses. And the Lord corrects them and says, Moses didn't give you bread. The Father gave you bread. It was the Father who brought you out of slavery. It was the Father who delivered you to the promised land. It was your heavenly Father who has provided for you over the centuries. And here's the difference between Moses and me, says the Lord. Moses appealed to God to give you bread, and God gave it. I am God, and I am the bread. 
I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. I'm not merely going to deliver you physical sustenance. I am going to give you myself. I'm going to give you myself so that I may dwell in you and that you will know my power and my grace and be transformed because I am living in you, says the Lord. Do not work for food that perishes, that molds and goes crusty. Work for food that lasts unto eternal life. Now, we will hear this play out further and further uh, over the next couple of weeks as the Lord becomes more and more specific about receiving him, truly him, that he truly becomes food and drink for us. But mostly today, let's focus on that Jesus is giving us his self. That God is not merely sustaining us for a time or just solving our physical needs. That's not really his main concern. His main concern is nourishing our souls. And he knows that the greatest nourishment we can receive for our souls is himself. And so today when we receive Holy Communion, let it truly be a communion, a union with Jesus. And as you say amen, and as you receive the Lord Jesus, understand and truly believe that in this moment he is giving you himself so that you might be nourished, that you might be preserved, that you might be strengthened. Please stand.